Welcome to episode 13 of Killer Hangover. I'm Bettina. And I'm Beth. And tonight we're going to cover three different states in our true crime story. And Beth, you've got the paranormal and the drink. So what do you have for us? Yes. So the three states that you are covering are North Carolina, Florida, and Georgia. So I kind of had my pick of the location I wanted to cover for my paranormal story, and I chose Florida. All right. And since I chose Florida and would really enjoy a nice tropical vacation right about now, (laughs) (laughs) Uh I decided to make a Miami Vice. Oh, what's in it? A Miami Vice is actually a blended cocktail of two different cocktails. Okay. I actually didn't know that. I just thought it was just a blended drink. So boy, oh boy, was I a little surprised (laughs) how much goes into this (laughs) cocktail. (laughs) Okay. So it is a combination of strawberry daiquiri and a pina colada. Oh, nice. That's why there's pink on the bottom and yellow on the top. I know. It's very lovely. so cute. (laughs) So the, let's start with the strawberry daiquiri layer. I didn't just go and get uh what? <laughs> oh, I thought you were waving at me. She's airing away her dog's fart. <laughs> I was like, why oh, are you waving? So gaseous right now. Gaseous? What does that mean? Cassie. Oh <laughs> I don't have it over here, so keep waving your it's hand. Coming, honey, it's coming. <laughs> dogs okay so the frozen strawberry daiquiri i actually i didn't buy like a mix or anything i made it from scratch or as my four-year-old says i made it from scratching it is (laughs) (laughs) so the recipe is one and a half cups of crushed ice 10 ripe strawberries three-fourths ounce freshly squeezed lime juice which I actually used lime essential oils. Oh. Three-fourths ounce triple sec and one and a half ounces of rum. And I actually used a little more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Then you put it in a blender, you blend it all up, and boom, there's the pink bottom portion of your drink. Okay. Then you clean out your blender, and you go and you get another one and a half cups of crushed ice, half cup of fresh or frozen crushed pineapple, and I didn't do that. I used pineapple juice. And then two ounces of coconut cream. And I didn't do that because I don't like coconut. So, sorry. <laughs> One and a half ounces of Malibu rum. Didn't do that. I don't have Malibu rum. I just <laughs> I just did a lot of Captain. So, the top layer isn't really. <laughs> and then one ounce of dark rum. Nope. Didn't have that. So, I added just extra Captain. Oh, and by the way. A shot of tequila. <laughs> so the top layer is really ice. So the top layer is a bunch of pineapple, ice, pineapple, mush. and a bunch of rum, and a bunch of rum and tequila, and a shot of tequila. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's Beth's so Miami Vice version of Miami Vice. So okay. Well, I think I'm just getting the strawberry now. 
But it is absolutely it was fresh strawberries. It's absolutely delicious. Yeah. It is really good. And I can only I'll be honest, I'm not really a fruity drink kind of a person, so I was kinda yeah, like I'm not uh, either. But I think because it was fresh strawberries, it has that tart. It's not terribly sweet. It's not sweet. super sweet at all. No. It's not so super sweet at all. It's you can really make the real version good. or you can make the best version. The best <laughs> version has a little <laughs> added alcohol. Who knows what's going to happen at the end of this. <laughs> the paranormal will be <laughs> very interesting, let me tell you. All right, Mama. Tell me the true crime story. I'm going to start off a little different. I'm going to start off with the victims. Okay. Because I think they're more important than this guy. Rosanna Miliani, age 26, was last seen by a clerk in a general store in Bryson City, North Carolina, on December 7th, 2005. She was last heard from on December 6th, 2005, when she called her dad from an inn five miles out of Bryson City. She told him that she wanted to go hiking on the Appalachian Trail. Two years later, the clerk called the police after seeing a photo on TV. Two years after she went missing. He said the photo looked like the man that came in the store with the very nervous Rosanna. The man said he was a preacher who visited campsites around the Appalachian Trail. They bought a sleeping bag and walked out. John Bryant, age 80, Irene Bryant, age 84. They loved to spend time hiking together. Good for them at that age. On October 21st, 2007, they chose the Piscaya National Forest in the Appalachian Mountains in western North Carolina. They didn't get far that day. Irene Bryant was found just yards from the couple's car. She had been bludgeoned to death. The next day, 75 miles away, John Bryant's ATM card was used to withdraw $300 at a bank in Ducktown, Tennessee. Security cameras show a slim figure in a yellow raincoat, but with an obscured face at the time of the withdrawal. It would be a year later when John's body was finally found in the Nantahala National Forest. He had been shot in the head. December 1st. So had he been there that whole time or? Yeah. Wow. He was shot. I mean, he was shot shortly after the withdrawal. And so he was there for a whole year. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It was very well hidden. The Bryants went missing October 21st. Mm -hmm. Now December 1st, the same year. Cheryl Hodges Dunlap, 46, a nurse, mother of two grown children, and an active member of the Christian River of Life Church, decided to go hiking in the Apalachicola National Forest. And I'm sorry if I'm totally slaughtering that. When she didn't show up... sound like a very easy word to say. (laughs) When she didn't show up the next day to teach her Sunday school class and then was absent from work on Monday, she was reported missing. Her car was found on December 4th with a flat tire just outside of the park's entrance. She may have been trying to flag someone down to help her with the tire. Just to give you an idea of how undaunting the task to find her was, the Apalachicola National Forest is the largest U.S. national forest in Florida. Wow. It is 6,032,890 acres. Oh, my gosh. That's huge. Yeah. And, and if you can imagine... 
valleys and hills and trees and trees and trees and trees wow because i would totally picture that like because we lived in north carolina i guess i don't i guess when i think of florida i think of Of miami Vice. (laughs) (laughs) we're not that far south (laughs) on december two three and four security cameras at areas atms showed a slim man wearing a hat gloves and something covering his face using Dunlap's ATM card to withdraw money. Obviously, he had her pin Mm -hmm. because he was able to withdraw. Sure. On December 15th, hunters in the Apalachicola Park noticed buzzards circling, and they found a human body with no hands and no head. Oh, my gosh. On December 6th of the same year, 2007, the headless and armless body of Michael Scott Lewis, 27, was found in the Tomoka State Park, three miles north of Ormond Beach, Florida. Now, Merid- arms and no head. Yeah. They wanted his identity to be, I mean, no fingerprints and no face. Wow. Meredith Emerson, 24, decided to go for a hike with her dog, Ella, on January 1st, 2008. She left a note for her roommate, Taking Ella hiking, hope you had fun. Meredith did not return that day, and when she didn't show up for work the following day, her friends became very concerned. They notified the police and began their own search for her. In the areas that she had marked in a hiking book, she was an avid hiker, Mm -hmm. and eventually found her car parked in the Blood Mountain Trailhead. Blood Mountain is in the Chattahoochee National Forest in northern Georgia. Okay. These are just so all spread out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, no wonder they weren't tied together. No, not at all. On January 1st, the same day Meredith went hiking, Seth Blankenship, an ex-cop, walked the Bloody Mountain Trail also. He came upon a place in the trail where the ground had been torn up and strewn around was a water bottle, a dog leash, sunglasses, a police baton, mm? and a hair barrette. He recalled very recently seeing what he thought was a father and daughter walking. The man was old and carried a police baton, and the young woman was holding the same leash she saw on the ground. Remember, he's an ex-cop, so right. he so would he pick he up on these yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. Something was wrong. He spoke to another hiker, Bill Clausen, who told him that he had seen a scruffy old man with a dog hiding in the woods. What? They walked back to the spot where he had seen the man, but he was no longer there. They continued searching the trail, and in the evening left the items found on the trail at a local store, just for safekeeping, I'm assuming. Nothing was reported to the police, because they really didn't have anything to report at that point. Right, right. The next day, Clausen saw a TV bulletin about Meredith's disappearance. He called the police with the events of the day before and gave a description of the man he and Blankenship had both seen at different occasions. On January 3rd, authorities helped a, held a new conference about a person of interest in a case with the description of the old man hiking with his dog. It wasn't long before a gentleman named John Tabor called with information. He owned a house siding business and said that the man fitting the description of the person of interest was 
Gary Hilton, who had worked for him for the past 10 years. He gave Hilton's information, including the car he drove, a white Chevy Astro van with a certain tag number. Later that day, during the late afternoon newscast, authorities released Hilton's name and photo to the public. So once they got some information, things started working really fast. Good, yeah. On January 4th, according to a GBI report, that's Georgia Bureau of Investigation, Michael Andrews got his lawn chair, uh, sorry, lawn chair, lawn care truck (laughs) (laughs) stuck by a string. He walked towards a campsite to ask for help. He said a man at the site quickly got up and walked towards him as if he was trying to keep him away from the site. When the man couldn't help him, Michael Andrews called the police for help. After learning about the police call, the man quickly loaded his van and drove off. The police then got a call from a Chevron gas station. The witness told them, the guy you're looking for is cleaning out his van. The police got there in time to stop Hilton from bleaching the inside of his van. The blood evidence found in the van matched Emerson's DNA. Wow. Gary Hilton was arrested and charged with murder. For so one of all of those murders. This one, yes. So Meredith was held captive in Hilton's van for 72 hours. Wow. She stayed alive by giving him wrong PIN numbers every time they went to an ATM. And he tried to withdraw money from with her ATM card. This caused a trail of uh, recorded locations and failed transactions. Unfortunately, the GBI did not get this record in time. Oh, smart girl, though. She tried. According to the interview that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, got from the GBI, Hilton told them that he targeted the 24-year-old because she was a woman. <laughs> Boy, was he wrong. Meredith was smart, she was strong, and she was a fighter to the very end. Good for her. That's the only thing that broke my heart in this case, said GBI agent Clay Bridges, who interviewed Hilton. She was doing everything she was supposed to do to stay alive, and we just didn't get there in time. Some just didn't keep up with her. It just, I mean, that just broke my heart to read that. Hilton said he couldn't kill Meredith's dog, Ella, so he set her free. I guess Hilton was a big dog lover. And he, he can kill people. He had his own dog, too, that he just did everything God. for. When asked how he felt about killing Meredith, he said, Well, you know, it was kind of hard. You got to remember, we had spent several good days together. Oh, my gosh. Hilton agreed to lead investigators to Meredith's body if he could get out of the death penalty. So we're in Georgia here. He was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. But that was in Georgia. Right. After being pre- presented with evidence of his involvement, he confessed to Cheryl's killing and extradited to Florida. Jeez. In this April isn't just like across county lines, like some cops have issues with. This is across states. Mm-hmm. In April 2011, it took a Tallahassee jury one hour and 20 minutes to unanimously recommend the death sentence. And this is in Florida, which had at the time a death sentence. Hmm. Two years later, he was sentenced in North Carolina to four life sentences 
for the deaths of John and Irene Bryant. Jeez. And I guess the evidence they found um, were several strong matches for John uh, Bryant's DNA in um, Hilton's van. Was he claiming not guilty to all of these? Pretty much when he was shown the evidence, mm -hmm. he admitted he did. doing it. Yeah. Wow. Hilton, or the National Forest Serial Killer, is believed to have committed many more killings, including Rosanna Miliani, who I started this podcast mm -hmm. with, and Michael Scott Lewis. But there was no evidence to that. But everything just kind of pointed to it with yeah. him being seen at the store. and Sure. Now, who is Gary Hilton? Well, we start with his good qualities. <laughs> and there's only a line. <laughs> In his youth, <laughs> Gary Hilton was a nice-looking guy. He was a runner. And by some tests, he was actually a at the Genius IQ. Ah. He loved the outdoors, especially hiking. Oh, that makes mm. sense. <laughs> Moving on, because that was the end. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. That's all his positive <laughs> qualities. When Gary was 13, he shot his stepfather. What? Not killing him. Reason? He was convinced that his stepfather had taken his mother away from him. His stepfather shot did him. not press charges, but did send young Gary to a mental hospital. Despite all this, Gary was able to enlist in the army when he was 17. They still took him in the army after that? <laughs> Must have been desperate. Oh, boy. He was sent to Germany as part of the Davy Crockett platoon. So uh, the Davy Crockett was a recoilless nuclear gun. And I read that this was somewhat of a suicide mission because if the gun was actually fired it could easily misfire and kill those people that are were holding the gun i don't know these something. people are crazy so if anybody knows more about it please let us know because <laughs> i don't know about this <laughs> don't know about weapon weaponry at all about three years into his enlistment gary started hearing voices oh and God. was diagnosed with schizophrenia put once again into a mental hospital and honorably discharged from the military Hilton had a hard time keeping a job as well as a wife. He was married three times. You know, that that just kind of floors me every time we talk about these, um, especially it seems like the guys that I that I have <laughs> chosen to report on or to do a podcast on, they're all married several it's times. It always, it's always so crazy to me that they're, they're married. How do these women not, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously, like, with the Kansas City Strangler mm -hmm. also. Uh, the first couple of wives leave him for yes. a reason. Yes. So luckily, Hilton had no children. His marriages That's didn't... That's another positive you could have added to his list. Dang. <laughs> okay, we'll move that up there. <laughs> his marriages didn't last long. The first two years... Um, the first one lasted two years. The second lasted nine months. Uh-oh. <laughs> and the third lasted seven months. Oh. <laughs> We're working backwards. He was a con man, obviously. Yeah. So was he um, on medication because of his schizophrenia or n no? He went untreated. Well, let's see what they do prescribe for him. Okay. So he was a con man, which may explain his short marriages and a petty thief. In his mid-50s, while he was working for John Tabor, 
the guy who reported, you know, who owned the siding company that okay. called in okay. in Georgia. Hilton was prescribed Ritalin. This is a great drug for someone suffering from ADD, mm-hmm. which Hilton was not. No. So if you take Ritalin and you don't have e- ADD, it works as a stimulant. So if he already had mental issues and he was not taking any medication for schizophrenia or whatever he had. Oh, my God. And he had this Ritalin on top of that. It's like crazy manic episodes of schizophrenia. Like, Uh, I mean, yeah. Hilton would become very aggressive, very irritable and threatening. And that's how he, in fact, lost his job at the siding company. Mm Mm-hmm. He hit the road with in his van with his dog Dandy by his side. Dandy? Dandy. An important side note, in 2005, two years before the murders, Hilton had abandoned a vehicle. He was given a citation but ignored it, and a warrant was issued for his arrest and put in the federal database. Now fast forward to 2007. Hilton set up camp on a private hunting preserve in Georgia. A deputy was called in. He ran Hilton through the state database, not the federal one. So he did not see that he was wanted. There was nothing on the state database, so he was simply told to pack his camp and leave. It was just simple luck, though, that that... Had the deputy checked the federal case, he would have seen the outstanding warrant and Hilton would have been arrested. And these murders would not have occurred. On November 17th, 15 days before the murder of Cheryl Dunlap, Hilton again had a brush with the law when he was told he had exceeded his 14-day campsite limit. His name was not sent through the federal database, and the National Forest serial killer was let go. I don't blame the deputy and stuff because he was just, he had this little, you know, he was camping where he, system in place though where he shouldn't camp. Right. Another glitch in this, January 2016, remember he's on death row in Florida. Correct. A U.S. Supreme Court decision declared Florida's death penalty unconstitutional. Mm-hmm saving Hilton from that fate. So right now he remains on death row at the U- Union Correctional Institution in Ryford, Florida. Ryford, Florida. But he still has, what was it, four life sentences from North he, Carolina? He ain't getting out, yeah. but still. I just Again, no remorse. No. no. Uh, nothing. Mm-mm. Nothing. So you and I know somebody and hold her very dear to our hearts that does not mind hiking by herself and <sighs> that's that's what I um, that's why this story kind of caught my attention mm-hmm. so I know you had to have buddies when you were in kindergarten <laughs> but really the buddy <laughs> system is really I think important oh, it's important anywhere and everywhere yes even if you obviously do have a dog. And I have to keep that in mind, too, because I often go to secluded secluded places, and I feel very, I mean, very safe with my dog. He's a large dog, 
So I know where Katie gets it. <laughs> I can't <laughs> I can't be angry with her. I know where she gets it from. But we just have to be very aware of our surroundings. All the time. No. Absolutely. So that's Gary Hilton. Ew. I don't like him. I don't like him either. And I'm happy he he's in jail. He just sounds like he's just incredibly sick. Maybe didn't get the help he needed a long time ago. A long time ago. Which is weird because he was in a psychiatric hospital Two twice. Times. So that's really unfortunate that this happened. Yeah. It's almost everything fell fell in place for him. Right. You know. That's really scary. Okay. Halfway through my drink. Got a couple brain freezes in the middle of all, <laughs> all that. <laughs> Just starting on mine. It's good. Mm-hmm. The drink is actually really good when you mix it all up. <laughs> I would like to sing, put the lime and the coconut and stir it. What is it? <laughs> put the lime and, and the, the coconut, coconut and stir it all up. Yeah, but <laughs> I didn't use coconut, so. <laughs> Just lighten things up a bit. This is a paranormal story that is based in Key West. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Everything's really She's frozen. She's really stirring it all up over <laughs> there. <laughs> the lime and the coconut. <laughs> I got that song Put in my brain. the lime and the alcohol and stir it all up. Is it stir it all up or shake it all up? <laughs> Drink it all up. <laughs> I believe it's twist. So Is put, it really? Put the lime and the coconut and twist it all up. <laughs> And the peanut gallery. And the peanut gallery. My (laughs) husband's from (laughs) the other room. It's twist. (laughs) Okay, I get it. I'm wrong. Anyway. Okay, so this paranormal story is based in Key West, Florida. Key West is filled with haunted tales of pirates, haunted forts, and ghost ships. But this supernatural tale is not of a place, but of an item. A very beloved item. Oh, this is different. Yes. They say the things we love to possess end up possessing us. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the case with Robert the Doll. A little boy named Robert Eugene Otto, went by the name Gene, was born in 1900. He lived with his parents at 534 Eaton Street. When he was four years old, Jean was gifted a doll, a very lifelike doll, one that greatly resembled Robert himself. Now, the story is either he was gifted this doll from his grandfather after a trip to Germany, or a recently fired maid that practiced voodoo gifted him the doll before her departure oh no so uh, i kind of like that one because it has a little more of a creepy vibe to it <laughs> so is the doll uh, i mean sized lifelike or is it a baby doll the doll is actually 40 inches tall oh my goodness so it is very lifelike so regardless of the story of where this that's doll creepy i know that's creepy in itself <laughs> It gets even creepier without even the paranormal aspect to it. The doll itself is very creepy. So regardless if there's black magic in it or just a high emotional energy attachment, 
at the doll was actually made in Germany by the Steiss company. Mm-hmm. It's the same toy company that made the teddy bear in honor of Teddy Roosevelt. And it was likely not made to be a toy. It was probably made to be a window display. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to put my kid in the window. Because it was seriously one of a kind, this doll was. It was probably used to like, kid, what? (laughs) I just realized, no, the doll was made. I know, but it looks like the little boy. Maybe to show clothes or something. (laughs) Oh. I don't own a clothing store. Well, I don't, I'm thinking their house. <laughs> thinking the doll was made at the Steiff company. And then the grandfather went to Germany and either got this doll or some voodoo lady got it. But I, I think it's more likely. <laughs> Do we start again? We started at the beginning. You, you did. <laughs> more than likely, though, the grandfather went to Germany and came back with this doll. Now, I don't know how. He got his hands on this window display doll, but that's more than likely what it was because there's not another one of him out there, of this doll out there. Okay. So, you know, usually when you make a toy, there's like a bunch of them. But this it's is interesting a because Steiff um, makes uh, stuffed animals. Sure. Usually, you know, yeah, they're like stuffed things. They're not like that. dolls that they So make, maybe it was so. used in a window display as a child. Like playing with toys or something. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. As an so advertisement. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Of being a child playing with a toy or whatever. But it was probably more than likely used as a window display. <laughs> In Germany, not at this child's house. Okay. So like I said, it stood 40 inches tall. It was made of cloth filled with a wood wool straw like material. It once had painted features and black button eyes. He holds a pet of some kind. It's something with this these like huge popping eyes and like it's either a puppy or a lion. I'm really not He's sure. Squeezing it and so the eyes are popping out. <laughs> <laughs> so the doll wore a sailor outfit and still does to this day, but it's actually believed to be one of Jean's old outfits. That this doll was wearing. And you can kind of tell because they've like cuffed the legs on it because the legs were just a tad too long for the doll. So they cuffed them, rolled them up. So that means the doll, (coughs) wait, they cuffed it. Was shorter than the kid. (laughs) 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 Do I need to start the story again for you? (laughs) So there's this kid. He had a doll. So anyway, Gene named the doll Robert after himself. Robert and Gene were inseparable. Robert went everywhere with Gene. Gene would play all day long with Robert. It wasn't long after Robert was received that Gene's parents not only heard Gene talking to his doll, but started hearing responses Ooh. in a different voice. When Ugh. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, I think your dog needs to use the restroom. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was really sad. Oh, my gosh. I think I 
time I actually die. Holy cow. That's like vomitous. Anyway. <clears throat> when any mischief was caused in the house, Jean's response would always be, Robert did it. Well, he's probably right. <laughs> there was loud thuds. Robert did it. Mutilated toys found. Mm. Robert did it. His parents reported seeing the doll's expression changing. No. They would hear giggles coming from empty rooms where Robert was left. And out of the peripherals, they swore they saw the little doll sneaking up and down the stairs. Mm -mm. One night, Gene's mom woke to the sounds of Gene screaming, begging for his mom to come and help. She tried to get into his room, but found it to be locked. Oh, no. Once she finally got into the room, she found her son huddled in his bed, his beloved doll sitting on the foot of the bed. Jean was scared, but the love and inseparable relationship of the two never ended. Oh, my gosh. When Jean got older, he became an artist. When his parents died, he moved into their home, the one that he grew up in. Mm Mm-hmm. And he and Robert lived there alone. What? The doll even had a room of his own. A room dedicated just for Robert. With a window seat overlooking the street. He was said to be quite a recluse while he painted. Gene, not Mm -hmm. Robert. (laughs) (laughs) See? He was a window mannequin. (laughs) Except for his doll. Jean did get married to a woman named Anne. Oh, Anne must have had a few cookies loose. I'm <laughs> sorry. A few cookies loose? I don't think I've ever heard that saying before, ever. Yeah, I made it Screws up. loose or cookies loose? <laughs> she had cookies loose. <laughs> yeah, so she moves into this home with him. And Robert. And Robert, but instantly hates Robert. She ended up begging Jean to lock the doll up in the attic room. So one day a plumber comes to the house and while working he hears giggling. He turns and he finds that the doll had moved across the room. Jean locked Robert in the attic. After that episode? Mm -hmm. Yes. Soon after they did that children playing out in the street started reporting to Anne and Jean as well that Robert would scratch them. Hmm. Stare at them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Stare at them. We'll go with that. From the upstairs bedroom. Gene couldn't believe it. He had locked the doll away in the attic. He went up and found the doll in his old room, sitting in his window seat overlooking the street. Oh, he is a window mannequin. <laughs> When Jean died, it is said he died with Robert by his side. What happened to his wife? At his death, Anne decided to lease their home, leaving Robert there. It stated that in the lease, there was a clause that said that, quote, Robert must remain the sole occupant of the attic room. Ooh. The family that ended up renting the home soon started hearing things in the attic. Footsteps giggling they would hear pacing they would go up and check and see that robert had moved across the room oh why'd they even go up there he was in a different place every time oh they looked my gosh i read this story that the family had guests come and visit them 
and they took them up to show them the doll in the attic because you know it's kind of a creepy thing and they wanted to show their friends and so they started telling the story about how crazy mr otto gene had been and Mm -hmm. how he was like obsessed with this doll and as they were telling this story the friends noticed that the doll's face was like transforming in front of their eyes to like total anger as they like Every time they started laughing at Jean, he, the doll's face was just getting, like, really oh angry. Oh, my gosh. And they all noticed this, and they got freaking scared and just left. <laughs> Holy so smokes. Scared. Well, yeah. Jeez. When Anne died, Robert the doll was donated to the Fort East Martello Museum. He was placed in an old Civil War garrison that is said to be extremely haunted itself. Oh, great. And his haunted antics have not stopped. Guests still claim his facial expressions change. They all get eerie feelings, and cameras and electronic devices fail to work around Robert. He's sitting in this chair in a glass case. Yeah. And, like, surrounding the glass case on all the walls, there's all these letters from people who have come to visit him. And the letters are all apologies and begging forgiveness what from the doll (laughs) and asking him to like remove the curse that he set on them the museum curator Corey convertito i'm so sorry if i am saying that incorrectly c-o-n-v-e-r-t-i-t-o and she is the curator curator of the museum as well as his caretaker she says that they receive one to three letters a day of apologies and begging forgiveness. Oh, my gosh. And she acts as Robert's proxy, and she responds to emails and notes that she gets from children. She also handles social media feed as well. I guess he places curses on people that take pictures of him without asking him to first. And there's been cases of broken bones, accidents, Wait, how divorces. do they know that he consents to these pictures being taken does he not (laughs) 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 by the way listeners she just (laughs) gave a really creepy nod (laughs) so it's it's just said that you need to ask permission to take his photo and if you don't he places a curse on you i know he smiles yeah Mm. (laughs) (laughs) i am totally leaving that sound effect in They also say that people send him sweets, money, and occasionally joints. (laughs) But the curator asks that that needs to stop because they are a museum. (laughs) Robert does not like to be touched. A paranormal investigator that works closely with the museum came to take photos of Robert. He wanted to take his hat off. He went and took off the doll's hat and could almost see the doll kind of glare at him. He just kind of felt like the doll was glaring at him. He stepped back to take a photo, and the camera didn't work. Tried again and again, nothing. He was like, all right. So he put the hat back on, stepped back, and was like, oh, let's see. Boom, four photos. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Robert is over 100 years old. His hair is starting to turn white with age, but his darkness still lingers. October, he goes to another museum every October around Halloween. And I guess he's just like the 
conquer the town. Yeah, and get them. <laughs> so he goes to this other museum um, in October, and there's a lady that works at the museum, and she was giving an interview, and she said that whenever he goes to that other museum for that week or whatever, her museum, where he stays, goes crazy. The ghosts are lonely without Robert, or I what? I guess, and, like, they just go... <laughs> The museum goes crazy when he's not there. There's extra footsteps, really loud noises, and she says she's even gotten pushed. And it just gets to the point where she calls the museum where he is, Mm -hmm. and she's like, okay, it's time to send Robert back now. (laughs) Like, we need him back. So that is the story of Robert the doll. That was fascinating. Mm -hmm. So are there uh, any pictures online? Oh, yes. I will absolutely post a picture on our social media. Although I'm I'm kind (laughs) of scared to look (laughs) at one. He's just this creepy doll and like he's over 100 years old. So he once had like I'm sure facial features painted onto him but now those that paint has since gone. So he just has these like black button eyes and then just just a terribly creepy face. If oh. my son was walking around with a 40-inch doll all the time and talking to it, I think, I, no. Mm-mm. If you came home from Germany and you're like, here, Aiden, <laughs> here's a doll as big as you, I'd be like, what is wrong with you? No. <laughs> Let's put it in one of your old outfits. No. <laughs> Let's see if he likes dinosaurs. And then Aiden says, oh, his name is Aiden. I'd be like, No. <laughs> This is not happening. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, what is in that doll? I, is there anything in the doll? Or have people yeah, become so... Yeah, it's wooden so straw. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You think? Have people just... But it, it's not just one person or two people. It sounds like it's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, it was written in the lease. It's like he has to be the sole occupant of the attic room if you rent my house. That is so creepy. Why would anybody want to live there? I don't know. Unless they think, oh, okay, whatever. Okay, the doll stays upstairs. (laughs) No big deal. (laughs) Then you're kept up with it pacing above you. And then you can't break the lease. (laughs) (laughs) Well. That's really creepy. Like I said, I'll post pictures of Gary Hilton yuckiness as well <laughs> as the creepy Robert the Doll on our social media. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram where I'll post those pictures. Killer Hangover Podcast. If you've been and seen Robert the Doll or been to that museum, please we'd, send we'd love us. to hear your stories. Oh my so gosh, yes. Email us at killerhangoverpodcast at gmail.com. Are you ready to cheers our tumblers? <laughs> She had to put them in these toast. big plastic well, wanted, glasses so they melt. don't really clink. Sorry. Well, this was fun, Mama. Yes, it was. Cheers. <laughs> Love you, kid. <laughs>